Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. More information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give all the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free Axon travel notepad. I know you need one of those, Sean, as much as you're out and about. You need, you need <laughs> one of those notepads for sure. For sure. But if you want one of those for your all your traveling uh, uh, excursions that you've got going on, just go to marketing at axontire.com and they will send you a free Axon travel notepad. Just make sure you tell them the Moving Iron Podcast send it when you go to marketing at axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is an industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is also brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. Their Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he is nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing superb. Really, really good. So, I'm almost making through all those without messing up. You know, it's only been, what, five years that I've been doing that. So, I'm getting better, Sean. <laughs> Things are really coming together for me. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're a fast learner. So <laughs> That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> but that's a relative term, too. So, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yep. So, Sean, there's a lot of stuff happened this week. You know, the Fed came out and they did ended up raising rates again, like no no shock there. Um, you can tell that the market had a lot of that baked in because we saw a big sell off, which you would expect, you know, reactionary thing. But it came right back the following day. You saw some some uh, interday volatility and in how things finished up. But for the most part, it really feels like um, 
the markets kind of have this they're just this expectation because chairman powell's made it very clear like we're, we're raising rates so just get ready folks we're gonna we're gonna yeah. do this um made it very clear so it feels like the markets have some reactionary stuff but most of the stuff's kind of baked into it fair statement there sean i think that's a very fair statement and you know i just think the market you know knows that this kind of rate increase this uh reduction in liquidity sooner or later um you know, we're starting to see more and more areas of the economy starting to break down. And uh, at some point, they're going to hit the pause button. And um, the market never gets that right. They always say they're going to raise rates forever until they don't. But I think the market's getting prepared. The dollar tried to surge, and now it's backing off. I just think the market's priced it in, and it's just waiting for the pause to come. And uh, so in the meantime, you'll get these short-term reactions. But for the most part, you know, I think the Fed's almost done. You know, it doesn't mean they're going to lower rates and print all kinds of money uh, right away, but I think they're, I think they're getting close. I think the economy's just going to start to get too shaky, and they're not likely going to push too hard if that really starts to show up. And um, and of course, if the inflationary numbers continue to work their way lower, which they certainly will. So, right, okay. Let's talk a little bit about. Um south america just for a little bit because of, of where they're at and what they've got going on argentini argentini argentine corn uh, and wheat crop forecasts have been cut um by i think corn's been cut by about two million metric tons and looks like you know soybeans um by about they're going to raise that about one point million metric one million metric tons and then um you know wheat is in the same kind of area i guess looking at what you see happening there and then here we are in, you know, drilling wheat season here in the in the U.S. It's still really dry in a lot of places where they're drilling wheat. And then what you see happening down in Argentina, which is a large wheat producing country. How do you think, I guess, looking at the overall spectrum here with even though we're moving into a an, an El Nino year where we're going to see some more moisture, we still have to have moisture to drill into. So I guess what's your expectations right now as you look at at winter wheat moving forward here? Well, the problem with winter wheat, um, you know, we don't have El Nino yet. Right. Uh, we're going to get El Nino as we go into 2023, but that's too late for putting moisture in the ground to get the planting underway. And so that's just going to, you know, we're still in the, the tail end of La Nina. So that's not going to come and save the day for acres, you know, getting the crops going into dormancy in good shape. But it could create a very, very strong finish to whatever does get planted and whatever does going to dormancy in, in some shape that's worthwhile. And I think that's the story is terrible start, really good finish. Still means a much better crop than we've had the last few years. And I think that's, you know, you know, going to be a, a, a you know, Pret was going to start to pressure the market. Um, you know, not now, but I mean, like later on as we get into the spring and they see that, oh my gosh, we've got some really good moisture. It's not, you know, it's warming up and that sort of thing. So I think that's, and the markets look we, right now. We're trading Russia, as we you know that we seem to be trading every sound bite that's going on with Russia. The, the deals off, the deals on, the deals on, the deals off. Every meeting between every player is being analyzed. Like and and um, but you know we've put a dollar and a half on the, the wheat market here. Right. I don't think we're going to put a whole lot more on. It's too dry uh, for the planters in the U.S. And it's too dry. I think. I think. I think this price level nine nine and a half. I think that's 
kind of price th- those factors in. I don't see it being a factor. The bigger factor for South America is that Brazil's getting some fantastic rains exactly when they need it to get the planting going. And Brazil's far more important when it comes to corn and soybeans to the world than Argentina. I'm not saying Argentina is not important, but Brazil's far right. more important. So it's kind of like good cop, bad cop. You know, Argentina is still struggling with drought and they will continue to struggle with drought as La Nina hangs on. But the La Nina pattern isn't necessarily a problem for uh, Brazil. And it isn't. I mean, they're getting some very good rainfall. So I think overall, the Brazil rains will overweigh the, dr- the drought concerns in Argentina, especially at these higher prices that we've seen. So I don't think that's a driver right now. I think the market's getting ready for a top, as we've been saying. Um, you know, I, I, we're, we're feeling the grain markets can be, you know, making the imminent top here. And so we think producers ought to be thinking about making cash sales and protecting downside price risks. We would need Brazil to get into trouble. Um, and if they, you know, and, and, and it, that's just not going to be on the dock here for at least the next couple of months, according to our work. So, yep. <clears throat> so kind of circle back here a little bit on what we've talked about here on about, uh, I think it was last week you did that kind of talked about what rice and wheat and what that looked like. And here's an article out there right now that, you know, India is considering rice export uh, requests and, you know, it, I guess India is basically talking about, you know, looking over requests for exports to allow shipments for some grain cargoes that have been stuck in ports for a while. So they've they've been kind of back and forth on the rice thing and being and really starting to pay attention to that. Is this any kind of a signal to you, Sean, that outside the broken rice export side of it, that there may be some other rice export restrictions coming out of India? Well, I mean, they 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 banned broken rice, and they right. put they're putting twenty five percent export tariffs, kind of like what Russia did the last couple of years, you know, to try to hold back exports. Um, and India is going to go through with that. I mean, and and you know, the Asian rice prices have taken off. I think the next real key thing to watch is to see how China handles everything. You know, they've been a very big buyer of rice the last. 12 months and if we see them pick up the pace even more based upon their current rice crop being probably one of the worst we've seen in modern day times um that could that's probably going to be the next trigger to set off the rice market higher and um we would expect probably see something like that in the you know sometimes we get into the fall and it becomes clear to the chinese and everybody else that their crop just you know, right now uh I talked about how Asia likes to always say, oh, there's always plenty of rice. There's always plenty of rice. There's always plenty of rice because quite frankly, you you can't tell Asians who rely on rice that we don't have any for you. So you keep, you keep saying that until you can't deliver. And I think they're going to get to the point of not being able to deliver on those promises as we get to the latter part of the fall. And then that's where the rubber meets the road. And we have something, an adjustment that has to take place beyond the adjustment that's taking place from the India restrictions of exports and banning of exports. So it's uh, um, definitely a market to be watching, Casey. What's amazing is during this entire correction in uh, grain markets, we saw all the way into those early August lows, you know, rice never really corrected much. It stayed near the highs for the year. In fact, it's near the highs for the year right now. So um, definitely think that could be a big, a bigger story as we approach the end of the year. So, okay. 
got a cold storage report that's supposed to come out this afternoon, and they're going to talk about what, what you know what that looks like and where they're at. But you're also seeing choice beef um, under some pressure here. Um, it's dropped another two dollars and fifty one cents on Wednesday, and it's under two fifty right now. So I guess as you're looking at at that, how, how important is that report going to be to what we see happening with just box beef in general? I guess. Well, we know that <clears throat> cold storage beef supplies are very high right. um, compared to normal and compared to where they've been the last couple of years. So we've rebuilt the reserves that we would like to have, especially going into the um, holiday part of the season. Uh, we had we slaughtered a lot of animals at a tremendous herd liquidation year again. We don't have a supply problem. We're not going to have a supply problem in beef. Um you know, in this fourth quarter, it's really what happens after we uh, get through that overhang. So it's almost like what happened in, in in China when they herd liquidated the hog herd and they flooded the market with pork post second round of African swine fever. There was this massive oversupply, and then and then and then they ate through it, and now we're on the other side where pork prices are skyrocketing, making new highs. Hog prices are skyrocketing, making new highs. That's what we envision seeing once we get out of the fourth quarter. So yeah. I don't think we're going to get any surprise. I think they're going to continue to say we have plenty of beef, um, and and there is plenty of beef. And I think that you know we've been we've been bearish. We've been worried about this cattle price right now because I just think we have too much supply, especially with a weakening economy. Um, I just don't see that this is the the lightning rod point for that supply shortage. What we've been talking about to really kick in. I think we need to get through that overhang. But once it gets to the first quarter, there's really going to be pretty, pretty hard to put this genie back in the bottle. And I think once that gets going, it's going to be pretty wild to the upside. You know, I, I view where we are now, like 2013-14, you know, where that's we're like late 2013, you know, going in 2014. That's where I feel we are just before we had that, you know, wild uh, herd rebuilding rally in 2014 that took prices to all-time highs. Whether we see all-time highs again, obviously there's a lot of moving pieces, but certainly the fundamentals are there for cattle ranchers to have a pretty good go of it in 2023. So, right. Okay. All right. Last thing, Sean, as you're looking at, at weekly export reports and with the strength of dollar, the way it is and, and the various, your last reports you put out, you talked a lot about, um, you know, some, some real, issues you could see come with with a, a big spike in the price of dollar of the dollar comparatively to inflationary issues around the world watching this week the export report um as it comes out how is how do you think traders are going to use that uh tool i guess when when they're looking at the trade right now remember the weekly report is it in and of itself is never like a, a one week's report is like the, just massively important. It's the cumulative right. effect. Right. You know, are we running up behind or with the, what traders do is they say, what is the USDA expectation? There's a baseline. The USDA says, all right, we think exports going to be X. Right. Are we running ahead of that pace or below that pace? And um, the longer we either run ahead or below the market then starts to think, Okay, we have to lower or raise ending stocks based upon that. So what I think we're going to start to see is we're going to see that the exports are going to continue to run below current USDA expectations because of the strong dollar, because the buying power of 
global consumers have been completely destroyed by the strong dollar and the crashing currencies. You look at the yen, you look at the euro, you look at the Chinese renminbi. I don't care which current, the Brazilian real. I mean, just crashing. You're destroying the wealth and buying power of global consumers. And of course, the U.S. buying power is soaring because our currency is stronger. Yet, yet we still have high inflation here, Casey. So, so if we're complaining that prices are too high here, think if you were in a country whose currency lost half its value in the last couple of years, how unbearable it would be. It's just not good. It's not good, and that's why you know it's so important to get uh, this U.S. dollar to top out here in the fourth quarter roll over and be in a downtrending market in uh, 2023 because we need a weaker dollar to rehabilitate demand overseas to get um, you know buying power back in the hands of those that buy U.S. ag products. Um, we think that's going to happen. We don't think it's going to happen in the fourth quarter. We think the fourth quarter is like a topping pattern. You make a high, you correct. You make a high, you correct. You, you kind of develop this topping pattern. We think we're in a topping pattern, which is better than, than going up, continuing to go up, but it's not going to rehabilitate demand until it starts to roll over. Once that happens and the market's convinced the top is in, then everything changes, Casey. And then those exports start to take off. And then the U.S. you know, has a... Um, a good demand side tailwind. Now remember, we need that demand next year because if we have a El Nino and we have big crops, <coughs> we're going to need bigger demand to absorb sure. that and Absolutely. get through that. Yeah. So, so it's going to be kind of a yin and a yang situation. But for right now, the strong dollar is very detrimental to foreign demand and very detrimental to you know to having a consistent move higher in price. That's why when I'm, the way I'm looking at the grain markets, when we, I think we've done all we can do. To get to pump prices higher against a strong dollar, I just don't see much ability to do much more than this unless we really, really get Brazilian production in trouble. And I don't see anything that would happen in the next two or three months that's going to offer that that uh, that carrot. So what it means to me is harvest is going to really accelerate here in October and demand's going to be on the weaker side. And I think that that you know the, 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 that price, the price levels we currently have, are going to be viewed very attractively by U.S. farmers, and they're going to sell it. And that means lower prices as we get into the end of the year. And that's kind of what our forecast has been and continues to be. So, right on. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks, want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing over there at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett H A C K E T T Advisors.com. Um, lots of information on there to tell people what we do, why we do it, and how we do it to see if we could be of value to your listeners. Right on, man. Well, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Keep up the great work for agriculture. I will try my darndest, Sean. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and the ever so cleverly named Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channels. Check that out. If you are interested in getting some more information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, September 11th through the 13th in 2023, shoot me an email. I don't really have any information to give you other than it's going to be in Nashville, September 11th through 13th. But we will have uh, some some good stuff coming out here um, over the next 30 to 60 days of kind of what some lineups might look like. So if you're interested in more information about that, go to movingironllc.com and you can check out what was uh, was there last year and kind of get a feel for what you see there. Or you can just 
shoot me an email at moving iron podcast and moving iron podcast.com and i will get back to you as soon as possible so with that i'm casey seymour with sean haggett let's go smart folks out axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment to find more or become an axon dealer please visit axontire.com Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century.